This podcast was brought to you by Zinc. Zinc is an all-in-one background and reference checking software that supercharges the capabilities of ambitious HR and hiring teams. Our range of integrated solutions turn bad to brilliant, saving weeks of team time all while building brand love. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups, the show for growing businesses moving at the speed of light. I'm your host, Sophie Power. Welcome back to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups. I'm your host, Sophie Power, the talent lead here at Zinc. Today, for this special International Women's Day episode, I am delighted to introduce Alicia Riley, People and Talent Lead at Ben, and Carly Paulson, Head of People and Talent at Aphoris. Welcome both. Um, it's lovely to see you and thank you so much for joining me. Really excited for this conversation today. I think it's going to be super interesting. Um, Carly, hi, welcome. I thought, yeah, for people who don't know who you are, um, would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, yeah, so I am Carly. Um, I I tend to start this by saying like I'm Carly. I'm a mum of two uh, uh, who took up skateboarding last year nice. and cold water swimming. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, trying to find time for myself in like life, kids, home, uh, world. Um, I um, have been in people and culture space now for about ten years. Started in recruitment. It evolved from there. Um, very lucky to kind of work with Crowdcube and then go on to move to a few other interesting businesses since then. I was recently a People & Culture partner at Unleashed um, and I finished up there a couple of weeks ago and actually started with um, Aphoris as head of People & Talent, as you've just said. Um, and Aphoris, forgive me, I'm in week one, kind of two, into week two, but... Um, and just getting my head around how we talk about them and their mission. But essentially, they are uh, a federated uh, machine learning and analytics platform. Um, and essentially, really simply put, they want to enable collaboration to solve some of the world's biggest problems, but without kind of compromising privacy uh, and data and IP for the companies that they work with. Um, but yeah, a really quite a complex uh, product that I am not an engineer and so therefore <laughs> can't really explain in detail. Do it takes I think it's so relatable when you start in a new job and you're kind of I think when you're working people and talent you feel like a bit of a an ambassador like a public facing sort of uh, people ambassador for for the business but when you're in week two you're sort of like I know we do this, but I don't quite know how yet. Yes, I'm still, I'm in the, I'm in the discovery phase of yeah. it all. But yeah, so super smart team, super interesting products, um, and like wanting to build a re- remote first kind of culture, which suits me as well because I'm hoping to move back to France this year. So fingers crossed. Very exciting and very jealous. Um, Alicia, for our listeners who don't know who you are, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, yeah, so as Sophie said, I'm the People and Talent Lead uh, at Ben. 
And uh, yeah, we specialize in uh, employee benefits and enabling organizations to give their employees a flexible benefits offering. Uh, I joined Ben back at the end of 2021. Um, we're a small, small startup, uh, 20 people, we're now 55 um, and got a lot of growth plans uh, for the year, which is really exciting. Um, I've got a background in uh, working in startups and scale-ups um, in kind of HR generalist roles. So overseeing uh, things like recruitment um, from beginning to end and people experience, people operations, um, strategies, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I think um, just kind of touching on the topics that we're going to be talking about today, uh, about three or four years ago, uh, I think just before uh, COVID, we, we went through that um, experience with COVID initially, uh, my interest in DEI really peaked. And I suddenly realised that I was incredibly naive. And by the way, I, <laughs> I'm not saying now I'm a pro, I'm certainly not. Um, I think there is always a huge amount to learn on this topic. It is such a vast topic. Um, but it's where I really started to kind of delve into learning and understanding like different demographics and personas and the challenges that people face. And then when I got pregnant um, a few years ago and became a mother for the first time, uh, on my particular interest in women's health and, and women's experience and gender equality really came to light. Um, so ever since then, I've been incredibly passionate about this topic, um, a huge advocate for it. So I'm really excited to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me uh, to speak on this today. Oh, you're welcome, Alicia. Thank you for, for joining us. And yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think there's been some, yeah, there's just been so much happening. And I think it's, interesting that you touched on the pandemic particularly because it, it highlighted so many inequalities in such sharp relief and and I really resonate with what you say in, in terms of that that feeling of actually yeah being a bit naive um about the issues so I you know I'm not a mother um not you sort of no partner a single child free um so you know a lot of these things I it's not that you don't care about them, but when they're not in your everyday, uh, you know, sort of field of vision, um, it can be easy, especially in a startup where typically, especially, you know, particularly in, in early stage startups, people do tend to be a little bit younger. Um, so some of the, uh, you know, kind of people challenges are, are sort of different um, to working in a larger organization where you've got kind of a different sort of age ranges, different profiles of people, things like that. So it's been really important over the past couple of years to sort of think about some of the issues that, that impact women. Um, I spent some time a couple of years ago uh, working at LV, um, a famous fintech startup with uh, the wonderful Dr. Tanya Baylor. Um, but yeah, it, it was so interesting to to speak to all the awesome people that I worked, there, worked with there um, and, and kind of learn in ways that I hadn't been exposed to before about some of the challenges that surround um you know women particularly mothers in the workplace as well so that and, and other things I think will be uh really interesting and um yeah so I suppose one of my one of my first questions um I think I'm gonna sort of bring up um we've had the pandemic which has, you know, been really complex, um, particularly balancing work-life balance, but it also really highlighted a lot of different types of inequalities. So um, you've got sort of people who are trying to juggle homeschooling children, 
um childcare has typically uh, traditionally um not correctly but um fallen more towards um women than men um but then also it highlights things like um inequality you know sort of financial inequalities as well so people who uh, you know sort of you see the people who've got offices, back gardens, um, have, have built offices in their back garden. And then you've got people who live in tiny flats and house shares who didn't have any outdoor space, had to share a living room and, and work from home with sort of three other housemates um, or maybe one person who's on furlough, one person who's got to work full time, you know, sort of some people who are still going out. So there's lots of inequalities uh, that highlighted it. And then moving on from that, we've moved into, uh, particularly in the UK, but in other countries as well, a cost of living crisis. Um, so Carly, sort of with the cost of living crisis, it has, you know, sort of disproportionately affected um, working mothers. Um, you know, sort of what advice would you, you know, would you give uh, to, to sort of women maybe they've been on maternity leave and they're looking to, to transition back. Um, and um, what advice would you give to them as sort of things to think about? Um, or maybe they're preparing to go on maternity leave. What kind of things would you sort of give as advice if, if uh, things you wish you knew the first time? Oh my goodness. Um, oh, so, so much. Um, and I think it kind of depends um, kind of on the size and it, like, I guess, maturity of the business that you work for right um in, in some cases because some some businesses are incredibly mature and and have lots of well thought out process and um uh, around the offboarding and kind of how you get your maternity cover to come in and how you think about that and you know preparing you for going taking the time off and kind of having processes that are incredibly supportive around that and then others are have zero clue are probably led with, you know, by uh, lots of middle-aged, dare I say it, white men um, who have wives and partners who kind of work part-time, decided to take that kind of route and not work full-time, but they have the luxury to, or they choose to, whatever their situation is. And so I think it really depends on the environment you're in and how mature and how, how much the kind of company has set up in place and how experienced they are in dealing with it. Um, but I would say, um, you know, when I had my first, I was in a lone role uh, and I was panicking. I was panicking about going on leave. I was panicking about handing it over to someone else. I was panicking about, uh, I had a bit of fear about um, being replaced, uh, essentially, and wanting to come back and not having the flexibility that I wanted. I was panicking about just all of it, that sense of identity, losing who I was becoming someone different than I'm a mum, but I still want to be involved in everything like I was before. And I still want to be me and be that, play that role, but oh, actually I, I can't, and I can't go to all of the evenings events that I wanted to. And I, I used to, I can't socialize in the same way. I have commitments and responsibilities. So there, it was a lot, um, uh, a lot of challenge at the time. And I think my advice, if I could do those things again, you know, there are certain Obviously, there are certain legal protections in place um, around some of that. So just be aware of your rights, really. Um, and there's some great charities out there that can support on some of this stuff as well, like Pregnant and Screwed um, is, is is a great go-to for some of that. Um, and they've had some great research, actually, in terms of the cost of living crisis and stuff yesterday, which I'll refer to in a second. But um, 
not yesterday, last week, but um, some really interesting stuff coming out. Um, but I would say be be super clear on, because, because you won't know. Until you're in that position, you won't know how you feel. Um, and also you need to be super clear on your financial situation. Take time understanding what it's going to cost you, how much time you can afford to take off, what the policies your companies have in place in terms of supporting you around that. Do they uh, do they offer enhanced maternity leave or parental leave? You know, what does your partner's parental leave look like if you have a partner? Um, you know, or if you're doing this alone, just making sure that you are aware of all of the entitlements that you have and what your, your financial situation is going to look like. Um, hopefully you're kind of a bit aware of, um, you know, your working pattern and your working style. So you can start to think about the flexibility that you need in your working day. You know, are you a night owl? Do you work really well early in the morning? How are you going to fit this in? How does this suddenly work if you've got a kid uh, involved or multiple kids, you know? <laughs> um, and then, you know, if once you're clear on all those things, you can start thinking about like, you know, you know what childcare you're going to need and the pattern you're going to need and the flex that you're going to need in your working day so that you can actually request this stuff, right? Like you have every right now, they changed the ruling around this. You have every right and entitlement to ask for flexibility from the back off, from the get-go. Um, and companies have to be able to justify not being able to give you that flexibility. Um, so I think in any, unfortunately, in some cases you're negotiating and you're going to have to go into a bit of, you might have to go into a bit of a negotiation for what you want. So being yeah. prepared to kind of almost like go in high and then come back to where you like, where's your bare minimum yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of what you're asking for. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, Carly, I, that's a really good point, actually. Um, Alicia, what's, what's your take on that? Yeah, so... Um... I think for for a mother uh, coming back from coming back to work from maternity leave, or anybody who's who's taken time out um, to either be a carer for somebody, like we were seeing a rise in people being carers, looking after elderly parents or sick relatives, um, and unfortunately, most of the time that falls on women. Uh, just the the way society has has kind of evolved, uh, so they tend to be disadvantaged a bit more when it when it comes to having to take time off work or struggling financially, as we're seeing again. And then, as you're saying, the cost of living crisis and, and the redundancies that we're seeing, in the, especially in the tech world, like women are being more impacted by that. Um, and there's a lot of data out there to to back that up as well. Um, but what I would say is, somebody coming back, first of all, never underestimate what you're capable of. Like taking time out of work is it can be very daunting to return back into the workplace when you've had a long break. And I think that there can be a real confidence hit um, to a lot of people. And I think um, that that kind of approach to tackle that and, and, be, and build your confidence and believe that you can do it is so important because you absolutely can. Don't let that hold you back. Um, and I think when you're looking to go back into the workplace, uh, there are lots. There are different ways that you can get support depending on your situation. So, if you're a parent, for example, if you're a mother, um, make sure that you ask your potential future employer or do your research before you apply for a job. Like, what are what is the flexible working policy of that company? What kind of benefits do they offer that that um, are supportive and inclusive? Who could support somebody in your situation, whether you're a parent or whether you've got something else going on that you might need additional support with to enable you to return um, asking them in the interview process uh, what their culture is like what their 
flexible working. How, how do they define flexible working? What does that actually mean? Flexible working has many definitions. It's not just about working from home. It's about working different hours, working different locations. Um, it, it, it's just so many different ways that you can think about flexible working. Uh, Flexer define this really beautifully on their website. So like check them out. They do a lot of work on flexible working as well. Um, but yeah, definitely do your research when you're applying for jobs and, and going into interviews. And then in terms of things like childcare, like the government give you a, a grant, so you can get up to £500 a quarter um, support uh, towards childcare um, if your child's at a nursery age. You can also um, ask the employer or see if they've already got a workplace nursery scheme. So we use this at Ben, and it is incredible you can get up to 40 percent monthly savings on your nursery fees um, hardly anybody knows about this benefit uh, it is an excellent benefit i use it myself and it's been a complete game changer financially for my husband and i um, but also for me personally just enabling me to go back to work and you know earning my own salary and, and for it being worthwhile especially with the rise in cost of living having that saving is, is really really important and it's a really big saving that you can have um, so I think just explore all of those options. And as an employer, you should also be thinking about what are you doing to support people coming into the workplace who have been off with caring responsibilities or, who, or who've just become a parent. Or if you've got people already employed in your organisation who are returning, what are you doing to support them? There are so many different steps that you can do to support an employee going on maternity leave or caregiving leave. Um, and you should be also looking at all your policies when it comes to flexible working, what types of leave can you give um, and how you how you can support people basically. I would say as well that companies should have a very clear approach to um, maternity leave when or paternity leave when somebody goes away. So like you can agree, you know, sit down with the employee before they leave and agree, like how how often do they want to be contacted? How do they want to be contacted? How do they want to utilize their keep in touch days? Like these are all really important factors that can have a huge difference in um, preventing somebody from losing their, their confidence and losing touch with the business uh, and supporting and enabling them to return to, to the company um, after their period of leave. So if you if you haven't looked at your maternity or paternity leave policy for a while, revisit it. Um, have you been doing following these kind of practices and what could you be doing to support people better before they even go off during and then when they get back as well? Because there's lots you can do there to help people. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because I uh, confess I, I didn't know about the, the nursery scheme. That's that's really, uh, really good to know. So hopefully if any of our listeners, Alicia, are hearing that for the first time and going ah um that's excellent um and I'm really happy that that we're able to spread the word about these things because it is really important um you know a lot of my friends are, are sort of becoming becoming mums for first and second time it's and so many of them and do like a variety of different jobs and and sort of have some really cool careers but you know they're all sort of approaching it really differently um and a lot of like the flexibility in their approach does depend on on sort of what their their partners or or their children's father is able to do as well and I think that's a really important thing um for managers to remember as well with you know sort of going back to the point about flexibility helping everybody um you you know this isn't just about helping mums it's about helping fathers as well um because that then in turn you know sort of helps helps their helps mothers too um 
A hundred percent. Understanding what your what your household is kind of able to do, or you know, in your relationship, what's what flexibility is there is 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 crucial. Like um, I joined the pregnant and screwed kind of march, and I was stewarding this this march, and I met a bunch of you know like uh, parents, um, different backgrounds, roles, careers, etc., all like coming together. Lots of dads there too. Um, all involved in these kind of marches for pregnant and screwed and you know I kind of remember I met this like um nurse who was talking about childcare provision for instance and she's like I'm a trained nurse I want to do my job I want to be a nurse I cannot find like I'm in a setup that means at home I I, I can't because I haven't got the childcare provision to be able to to do it so she said a I can't afford <laughs> the childcare provision um and then she said and then b you know i'm if i'm a nurse i'm on shifts you know i'm a shift worker and there's no childcare provision for for that you know for for that so for how you know i I can't work i can't work and you know there's there's a lot that we need to kind of figure out um uh, there's a lot that a generally government needs to figure out in this country around around this. I mean, gen- generally, you know, the whole working school system, the hours just don't tally everybody. I mean, uh, we this is a system that was created, you know, before everyone in the household went to work. Um, and and we seemingly, companies don't, you know, have forgotten that schools finish at like half three and everyone's out the door and... Um, yeah, I've got to go and pick up the kids because they haven't got after they haven't got wraparound care because it doesn't exist. I think there's there's so much that the 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 system is generally not set up in the right way for now how modern modern working world works. Um, so there has to be a lot of overhaul in my uh, humble humble opinion in this. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, you know, and it's yeah, it's it's really interesting because you know, we're also seeing the rise of, of remote work and, and how does that impact things? Um, you know, because it gives you more flexibility to, to kind of move further away from the city. You spend less time commuting, which means you can spend, you can make it home for bath time um, and, and all of that good stuff. You can, you know, I don't know, go to the gym um, or, or make that time for yourself as well. Um, that's, you know, instead of doing that commute, you can go for a swim, um, as you've mentioned. Um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 really, you know, I mean, I that was one of the things I, I loved uh, actually about switching to, to sort of being, you know, largely remote um, in the pandemic was once it was, you know, available and, and open again, like being able to, you know, sort of get up at stupid o'clock in the morning and, and go for a swim um, in the freezing cold uh, and then, yeah, start my day um, you know, sort of with a, a 10 minute walking back to, to sort of the pool rather than you know, uh, sitting on the the Northern Line into Old Street. Um. <laughs> well, with the uh, um, rail prices are, are going up again. You know, like um, and like I think about an average of five point nine percent or whatever it is, it's going to be, and that's going to hit everyone like next week. Um, and and like and then and everyone's sort of saying, "Oh, come back and we're trying to get more more hybrid back into the office." And I just, yeah, fascinating. It's just truly, uh, with the cost of living, cost of living crisis, 
Um, and these are one of the one of the quotes I wanted to give you from Pregnant and Screwed because screw, they announced this um, last week because um, they've done they're doing a whole campaign and stuff. And I and I don't like work for them or anything. I, I just believe what they're what they're doing is really um, really great in terms of getting this topic on the, the agenda in front of MPs and debated in Parliament and stuff. You know, it, one of the things they said was like um, from their research, they put out a survey to like all of their followers, etc. And they regularly come out to the public and ask like, what was it you want? Would you talk in front of the press? What's happening, etc. Um, and they kind of do a bit of like a state of the nation. Um, so like three quarters of mothers who use childcare say it doesn't pay for them to work. And um, one in four is spending more than 75% of your take home on childcare. So, and then you, you factor into that, you know, oh, I've got to commute again because I've been asked to come back, to, you know, to come back into work full time or four days a week or whatever it is. It, it just start, really yes, just starts to not make insane, sense. Insane, isn't it? And, you know, I remember my own mum didn't go back to work um, for about 10 years because, yeah, um, it, it just financially, it just did not make any sense. Interestingly, um, uh, through sort of a, a recruitment network that I was a part of a couple of years ago, we ran a salary survey for people and talent professionals. And one of the the really interesting sort of slightly, slightly on my part anyway, as a woman, quite sad to to learn was that the pay gap wasn't so bad in kind of the junior and, and mid levels um, for for the people and talent professionals. We had about a thousand people fill out the survey, um, all people and talent professionals. But one of the things that was really apparent was the disparity in senior salaries um so the majority we realized of people in sort of hr and talent leadership worlds were actually male despite the fact that the majority of people at, at sort of uh junior and mid levels were female but uh the gap the gender sort of pay gap in the leadership levels were quite were quite broad um there's not a simple simple reason behind sort of why this is um but again it, it taps into that way that it you know these things disproportionately affect women especially as a cost of living crisis comes up and what it's a difficult topic we're we're not going to solve this on a on a one call but in your experience like what how would you go about uh you know kind of tackling that how would you go about you know if you come into a business and and sort of see that this is happening like what kind of steps would would you want to take to to tackle that yeah so um Unfortunately, this is very common <clears throat> across different roles, different industries, different businesses. Um, it's been it's been well well known, well documented. There's a lot of evidence out there to demonstrate this. And despite you know government targets, we're still seeing this disparity um, in in the gender pay gap, in, in particular in leadership positions. Um, I think coming into a business, the the one thing that's very difficult to shift this metric is that this leadership does not change frequently. It's not like a CEO is going to change, leave a company after a year or two. Um, you know, most of the time they'll they'll probably stay there for quite a long period of time. So it takes quite a long time to change this this demographic. Um, that certainly doesn't mean that you can't start actioning towards it immediately. So the things to think about uh, within your organisation is first of all, all starts with the recruitment and hiring process. Make sure you're not getting or encouraging a gender pay gap anywhere else in your business. So. How, how do you, what's your pay philosophy? How do you decide your salary bandings? When you go out to market, what does that mean? You know, there's a lot out there. Otter's done a lot of great work on this in terms of we're seeing more and more salary transparency on job adverts. 
Um, you know, people are, I think in some countries now it's even illegal to ask what salary people are on. Um, it shouldn't matter. You're interviewing them for a role that you've benchmarked and, you, and you've got a salary banding. That's what they should get. Um, so, you know, to, to stop people from lowering their bandings and because that inevitably uh, impacts women more if they've been on lower pay with the gender pay gap that we've been seeing. Um, so just revisiting that whole process. And then once you get talent into the business, it's looking at how can you nurture that talent and give them the tools and resources and support to develop themselves professionally to later um, grow and develop into managerial and later down the line leadership positions. So you can look at things like, uh, you know, mentorship. Uh, you can look at low cost, um, you know, options depending on your business and your budget. But mentorship is a brilliant one. So exploring that there's lots of, um, you know, uh, groups out there who support this and encourage it. Uh, lots of communities out there and lots of people willing to help as well. So, you know, just reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Do you know anybody? Would you be interested in helping us with this person? You know, their head of department might know somebody who could help. Uh, but mentorship's a really big one. Uh, making sure that you have a clear leveling framework in place is really helpful as well because it helps give line managers the guidance and the structure. And ultimately, the people coming into your business, their line managers are the ones that, that play a huge part um, in their career progression and their development and, you know, measuring their work and giving and receiving feedback. So management training and coaching is really essential, whether you do that internally or through an external trainer. Um, so just making sure that you're investing time and energy and resources into that. So upskilling your line managers to enable their teams to grow and develop and not block people, um, which obviously has the complete opposite uh, effect and can be very toxic. Um, you want a culture where people feel enabled to grow in their roles, whether that is in their role directly or maybe taking a sideways step into another team. Like keep, you know, what are the options available to them? Do they know what those options are? How are they being measured in their role? What's the consistency like across the teams and across the genders, making sure that there's no bias happening? Um, so I think all those factors are, are really, really important and thinking about, you know, OKRs and measurement of performance. What does that actually mean? How are you supporting people getting to the next level? Maybe you have an L&D budget. Uh, maybe the you have an L&D team who specifically organise, you know, training and workshops and events, making sure it's relevant to them. So there are so many different areas that you need to look at when it comes to upskilling and supporting your team and making sure that, um, you know, you're encouraging fairness and, and equity in people's development, that unconscious bias isn't happening and that women are, are getting equal opportunities to be able to develop and grow in their careers. You should also have metrics to hold yourself accountable as well. Um, you know, start measuring what percentage of women managers do you have in your business? What percentage of women team leads do you have in your business? What percentage of senior compared to male? Are you seeing a disparity? Okay, why is that happening? So like, measure it, hold yourself accountable, look at all the things that you can do um, to to support the growth um, of women in the workplace to help prevent uh, gender disparity. Um, and it's eventually the pay gap, which, uh, you know, that was, which is what we're seeing. And, um, and yeah, uh, that should be able to help you have more equality and consistency across the team. Yeah, that's a really interesting take, actually. Thank you, Alicia. Um, what are your thoughts, Carly? The other thing I would say is, you know, um, you know, making making. I guess it's that thing. It's making. We talk about. They talk about legally. They talk about reasonable reasonable adjustments, right? Um, 
making reasonable adjustments what do we feel is within reason what do we feel we can truly do um and in some cases that might not work for individuals and you know that's those are different conversations that need to be had then but i think really trying to find ways because there is always a way or something else that we can do um give them time uh give give them time to adjust give them time to to get back into the flow of things when we think about re-onboarding someone after they have they've had that time off and things like that re-onboarding people um in the right way and um you know make, making sure it's phased we talk about phase returns but what does it again a phase return might look different to someone someone might want to do two days to start with three days then four and then build up you know what's possible um and then there's lots of things like thinking about you know may, they might be job shares um a possibility as a job possibility and enabling two part-timers to come and work together you know they do it a lot in teaching and things like that so why why can't we think about it more in the work environment as long as people you know there's there's kind of some good communication channels set up to support it all of that sort of stuff could be is really valuable actually if you were gonna really take a hard look for managers you know how, is this stuff inclusive in terms of what we're doing and we thinking about the different needs um, there and that is kind of a bigger company question right and everyone has slightly different approaches but I think if managers can be really upskilled to just having really good conversations I think a lot of these challenges would go uh, and like misunderstanding or like uh, you know would kind of go away and I think we could just be a lot more compassionate and empathetic about it and you know it's um being able to 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 provide the right support and um and but not shy away from from it if you can't that's the truth, right? Um Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting take. Thank you, Carly. Um so I have um <clears throat> Carly, one one final question which I think would be uh you know, and I'll I'll be good to sort of see what Alicia thinks as well. Um what advice would you give um, to women or maybe, maybe yourself um, at the beginning of your career journey, if you could, um, entering the world of, of working tech, business, recruitment, HR? Like what, what, would you, what do you wish you knew when you first got into your career? Um, I, I went into like ed- higher education thinking I wanted to be a journalist right for years I wanted to be a journalist and my dad used to joke he was like you want to be Kate Aidy on the front line type thing and I'd be like yeah I'm like absolutely um and I still find that all really fascinating but um so I kind of went into higher education wanting to be a journalist and and kind of did some internships and realized it wasn't for me primarily also because the internships at the time were unpaid um so yeah I can be in London no money thanks um obviously a little while ago I don't want to I don't want to show my age but it was a, a few years ago now a few years ago um so I would say number one is going into business kind of recruitment even like recruitment whatever it's I mean I think just going into the world of work um your career path will change you'll learn different skills you'll learn lots of different capabilities and competencies. Don't think you have to stay in one track for the whole of your career. That will shift and change and move. So seize opportunities when you see them, if you find them interesting. Um, that's, that's a really important thing. I've had, I've had three different careers now and I've, my career keeps evolving and changing. So, and I see things that they come along and um, a bit opportunistic, but um, yeah, it's meant I've met some fascinating people and things like that along the way. 
Um, but the other thing I would say, if I'd have known, um, obviously I joined a network when I got into recruitment, um, joined a network, met the lovely Sophie here through this network, uh, through, um, through individuals that I was able to meet and that just propelled my learning and my kind of exposure to the world and the community that we're in. So find a community and, and get involved, participate, contribute, share, ask questions, learn, use it, try and meet people for coffee. Like hopefully you'll find a mentor through it. And the only other thing I would say, and this is going to come up for me in the last year is like, if you can afford it, if your company allows you to do it, find a coach, get a coach, get a coach, get some career coach and like, not even career coaching, just a coach. Um, just to, to help you, you'll identify some things that you want to work on, but actually you'll work on so many things and you'll, just understand yourself so much better and how you show up in so many different situations that enables you to, to really um, be clear on who you are, what you stand for and and what you represent and how you want to be. Um, and in particular, if you're a manager, what kind of manager do you want to be? Like spend time thinking about that and having a coach can really help um, you identify those, those key traits and some of those things that you'll really excel at and help you work on other things that perhaps you're, you don't excel so as well like as much in um so yeah those are my things I think mm, yeah that's a really interesting um perspective thank you thank you Carly uh, Alicia what do you think yeah definitely I think my absolute number one piece of advice and advice to go back in time I would have done this a lot sooner in my career is uh, well two things sometimes two um immerse yourself in the wonderful communities and content that is available out there one of the things i love about people and talent is how open everybody is to share good practice to share new initiatives to support and help each other um all whilst maintaining confidentiality and looking after each other as well and I have learned so much from so many people, most of them I've never even met, um, but all just through online communities that are available. So, you know, things like People Stories and um, Hire, which you know, used to be DBR and uh, um, People Geeks. And th there's just so many great communities out there. Um, there's a few communities on LinkedIn as well that are really good. You know, Disruptive HR is another really good one. So, um yeah, look at those communities, find the ones that tick your boxes and work for you um, in terms of, you know, kind of what you want to learn and what, where your interests lie and where you're going in your career. Um, and and uh, you'll meet some amazing people uh, along the way who, who will help you and, and share good practice and, um, and bounce ideas uh, around and things. So I, I really recommend that. And then the second thing is getting a mentor. I've mentioned this a couple of times, uh, but I, I would not have got to where I am today without my without my mentors and I started that process about six years ago um, I now have three uh, who I see uh, on and off um, throughout the year and uh, I, I, I value them so much um, and, and their advice and how they challenge the way I think and, and the way I see things um, and I just think having that experience um, uh, and knowledge shared with you is so important uh, to help you along your journey so yeah if you're, if you're looking to get into it that that those two would be my my key areas of advice nice thank you yeah that that you know links really nicely and um you know i talk about community a lot uh you know on this podcast as as one might expect um given sort of my own you know the opportunities i've i've seized in my career as well and so i think that's that's a pretty 
pretty solid recommendation there um, for anybody listening. Um, get involved in communities um, and learn from other people. Um, you know, beyond your own workplace is is a really good way to, you know, see how other people do things. Um, uh, you know, see what you can, you know, what you can borrow, uh, learn, uh, be inspired by. Um, perfect. Cool. Well, Carly, Alicia, thank you so much for joining me um this has been really interesting and and lots of super cool topics covered um so happy international women's day to anybody listening thank you so much for joining and yeah that that's a wrap i think thank you this podcast is brought to you by zinc zinc is an all-in-one background and reference checking software that supercharges the capabilities of ambitious hr and hiring teams Our range of integrated solutions turn bad to brilliant, saving weeks of team time all while building brand love. Thanks for listening.